praise the Lord. St. John chapter 6, verse 35. We're certainly glad we're part of that group tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. St. John 6, 35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me will perhaps uh, 95%. Now, if you would have been hearing this man preach, would have you thought that he was the pastor of the first church of the Free Will Baptist in Nazareth? Or would you have thought this guy leans really, really heavy toward predestination and election? Now remember, this is not Brother Donnie. This is not Brother Branham. This is your master. So if you would have been a disciple and you would have heard what we're fixing to hear tonight, I want you to think, what kind of disciple would you have been in following his teaching? Now remember, this is not just Paul. This is not Peter. It's not John. But it's the great teacher himself. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Amen. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Amen. And Happy Valley said, Amen. let's pray together. O oh, great sovereign Lord, we marvel at your mighty ways. We thank you for your just wisdom. Thank you for your great nature. Lord, we count it such an opportunity to be your children. We pray tonight, Father, that you'd visit us once again as we've assembled ourselves together on this midweek service. Teach us. We know that there's an aspect of the ministry that's called teachers. But we know there's a hidden teacher. That is that the prophet said they would all be taught of God. So we could hear an earthly teacher, an anointed one, a good one. But still, if we're not taught by you, we'll miss the very concept of what you're trying to speak. So give us the ability to hear what the teacher, the inside teacher, will say from your word. You see, Father, our needs tonight, Lord, I know there's many sick and many dealing with the various things that's already started among, among us, Lord Jesus, the wintertime, but we pray that you'd be mindful of us. Just help us, Lord. Speak to us from your word tonight, we ask, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said... God bless you. You may be seated. I know it must be a little bit hard because 
Every church feels like their church is part of the original church from the book of Acts. The church of God of the Cleveland Assembly, they feel like that whenever Paul mentioned about the churches of God, that was the Cleveland Assembly. Well, the other assembly in the north of the church of God, they feel like they're the original church. And most definitely, the churches of Christ. I mean, they leave out one word. We know that. But they definitely feel like that they are the closest to the original church. The Pentecostals feel like that they are. Because they believe in speaking in tongues, shouting, so on and so on. And then the apostolic Pentecostals feel like they're closer than the assembly or the mountain assembly or the church of God or the church of God of prophecy because most of them baptize in the titles. So the apostolic Pentecostals feel like they're closer because they baptize according to Acts 2.38. And then we bring it on down to us. Now, we feel like that we are the closest to the original church because we believe and claim and say that our hearts have been restored back to the original apostolic fathers. So can't you see the claim? Now, the Catholics, of course, they believe that their teachings and their inclinations come straight from Peter come straight directly in the apostolic succession so they are the original Catholic Church. There can't be this many originals. That reminds me of the old Ford truck that I used to have, and some of you had seen it years ago whenever I had it. And whenever I bought that old truck, it was come from over here to a place near the airport, and the guy had it, and he wanted to make more of a street rod out of it. Now, the, those of you that aren't familiar with the 53 through 55 Ford, the fat-fendered Ford, they had a straight-line axle under the front end, and it had leaf springs in the front as well as the back. It had power steering. That was both wheels, both hands on the steering wheel with all the power you could manipulate to make it steer. So the road didn't ride good. Steered hard. The one I had had a 312 Thunderbird engine in it, Ford and Thunderbird interchangeable. So this guy had clipped it. Now what that means is he had cut the frame in two and put a Camara front end under it. Now he'd cut the frame in two without very much modification. The width of the frame was very close on a Camara car as it was on that 53 Ford truck. So he was able to cut the clip under the front end and cut the frame off and be able to put a Camara front end. Now the Camara had a twin I-beam suspension, which means that it had a top lever arm and a bottom lever, and it had the suspension springs on each side, coil-type springs with a shock in the middle. Are you sisters with me so far? All right. Now, so what it did, it make it independent suspension so it would ride better, drive better, handle better. Well, the guy also decided to take the old Ford rear end out from under it and put a, a, an El Camino a rear end under it. 
Well, then whenever I bought it, I took it down to Kentucky and told my cousins, you know, y'all fool with it whenever you got time. Well, they started fooling with it and they cut this and chopped that, took this out of it, and boy, it was a real toy for them to fool it. Well, by the time they got it done, they put a full-size GMC pickup seat in it, which had six-way power seat. Also, the little wing windows on the side, some of y'all know what the wing windows were, they made that power as well. They cut all the inner fenders out from under when you would raise the hood and put under it polished stainless steel. Now there was not one wire, one belt, even the master cylinder which those old vehicles was on the firewall on the inside. They detached that from the firewall, put it down underneath the seat under the frame so it was hid and the brakes operated by a cable. Everybody with me so far? Now what I'm describing to you is most churches. Praise the Lord. Now they claim they're a Ford, but they're a Volkswagen, Studebaker, Chevrolet, Buick crossover. Now, whenever my cousin Gary, he, he, he's, he's different than Daryl, their brothers, and both of them think different, and they want, you know, each one compliment the other. And Gary told me one day, he said, Donnie, I've been thinking about doing something really different to this truck. I said, what? He said, I was thinking about, now they had the old metal dash in those old trucks. And he said, I was thinking about taking this dash out. And he said, I got to measure in a Mustang car that we had. And he said, that thing with a little modification. He said, I can cut that dash totally out and put this dash of this Mustang car. What are you saying? I said, let's go for it. Now, if Mr. Henry Ford would have walked up and seen that church, I mean that truck, he would have never believed that that ever come from his factory. You know why? It didn't. Now, it come from Reagan's garage. Now, I know some of you that never saw it, you're thinking, Lord, how mercy. That thing looked like a pile of junk. Apparently, the judges at the car shows didn't think so. Because before I ever got it, they took it from one car show to another to another, and when I picked it up, I had a whole load of trophies with it. Because it was so outstanding, but yet, no matter how much I ever said, it was not original. Praise the Lord. Was it a Ford? Sorta. Was it a Chevrolet? Sorta. The engine was a 305 Chevy. The front end clip was a Camaro. The seat was a GMC. The windshield wiper motor, where they cut the dash out, you couldn't find a Ford motor that would fit it, so they found a Volkswagen motor that operated the windshield wipers. Now some of y'all think I'm talking about you, ain't you? That's why some of y'all feel like a Volkswagen, Ford, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC. All of some of us come to all seven church ages, basically, anyway. What's all that we believe? And this is where that for churches that most all of them. Have you ever went to a church where they started and said, now look, we are preaching damnation. We are trying our best to lead every soul we can to hell. Our pastor is anointed of the devil. 
He has demonic anointing. All of our deacons are demonic. Our song leader are, is demonic. Of course not. What do they say? We have the truth. And we've got more truth. There's the Methodist church, but don't you believe them? They're across the road, but we got more truth than they do. And it's come right down to where the message churches do the exact same thing. Well, we got this church and that church. Well, I don't believe them. They're funny on this idea of this and that other. So here it comes right back. Then that every church believes they are the right church. But really the only way we'd be able to know this is go back to the original plan and see what the original church really was. And what did they stand for? Now, did they have fat fenders? Or were the fenders more streamlined? Well, you know, when you look at it, well, I'll tell you what now. We, we believe in baptism, but we don't believe in baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, you're not the original church yet. Well, now we believe in the cross and we believe in the blood and mercy and stuff like that. But we do not believe in this speaking in tongues stuff. Well, you're not the original church. Well, now we believe in speaking in tongues and we believe in getting emotional and feeling the presence of God, but we don't believe in no prophet. You're not the original church because the original church believed in prophets. Well, we believe in prophets, well, one anyway, and we believe in the blood and we believe in mercy and we believe in salvation, but we don't believe in preachers. You're not the original church. Jesus started out the original church with preachers. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He started it out with preachers as in plural. He'll close it out with preachers as in plural. Praise the Lord. So we could take every denomination and sad to say, we could take many around our own ranks as well, and one by one be able to try to define them by the doctrines which they believe, by what they claim is the reality of the way they define themselves as a church. We know that we must have doctrines in order to be a church, is that right? So we must have our view about the Godhead, we must have our view about eternity, we must have our view about election, folks don't want to talk about it, but we've got to have our view about it and our view must be scriptural or we are wrong. That's right. But yet we have all of these denominations and all of these groups that are claiming to be the church of the living God. But yet there is a group that the Lord Jesus claims as his own. And that is the group that closely approximates the original church and the foundation of their apostolic faith that was given to them in the beginning. And remember the Lord Jesus never established a theological seminary whenever he left. He never established Establish a group of, of colleges by which the disciples would go out and start schools. But what he did was he called these men and he taught them for three and a half years. Now even though they're without the new birth, they will hear, they'll retain an element of this. But the Spirit of God, once they're born again of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will go inside of their memory and recall the things the Lord Jesus said that they themselves couldn't recall for nothing. Because it 
almost deeper than human memory. Then once they're born again, they will start gathering together. They'll start talking. They'll start getting together their ideas of what the doctrine of the church is. And this was the way he wanted to establish his church. On the basis of apostles who were there with him. And the church said, now this is what we call apostolic. So it's not a UPC move. It's not a one God apostolic of the Pentecostal. But these guys were the original apostles. So they come out from under the ministry of God himself. I personally am not going to argue with them. If this is the way God wanted to start his church, I'm not going to argue with them because I feel like I'm arguing with God when I do it. Praise the Lord. So, you know, now keep this in mind then whenever you and I go through the message of the hour, any quotes that we come up with, any doctrines and ideas that we come up with that leaves the foundational principle of Scripture. It's not that Brother Branham is wrong. It's the way we are putting it together. If Brother Branham was not a word prophet, then let's get away from him. But if he was a word prophet, we know he could never intentionally lead us away from the gospel that's in the scripture. So if there are doctrines that are formulated around this message, it is not the fault of the prophet. It is the fault of those who followed later who did not follow through with an apostolic understanding, but they listen to the message, they read the message, and then they concoct their own ideas and as far as they're concerned it does not need to be based upon the scripture but that's not what brother Branham taught us brother Branham did not teach us to leave the Bible get away from the Bible you don't need your Bible come on saints he told us his absolute was the word of God amen I don't know about you I love my Bible now more than I've ever loved it in my life that's right. So here is the great rabbi himself. So here he's instilling now in his apostles a foundation for that which they themselves will later become the principal ones by which he will build the church. Now, you remember that most of these guys, you know, they had a Pharisaic as far as the, the, the disciples themselves. Most of them come from the Pharisee background. And they were all different sorts of ideologies in the original church, but he must wash them, he must cleanse them, and instill in them the type of doctrine that will be used to build the church. So after the Holy Ghost comes, then they start, they're stumbling around a little bit because they don't even understand anything about the Gentiles. They think the Holy Ghost is initially for the Jews only. Remember when Peter went to Cornelius' house and preached and there were some Jewish brothers that went with him and whenever he was preaching to them, the Holy Ghost fell in Cornelius' house and they heard them speak in tongues and all that and the Jews looked around and they said, Lord have mercy. I can't believe these Gentiles got the Holy Ghost like us and when Peter went back to the brethren they jumped all over him they jumped all over him and said what in the world he said don't look at me I didn't do it I was just preaching the word and the spirit of God fell on them they did not comprehend that God was going to merge into one body the Jews and the Gentiles and make the new man as Paul referred to in Colossians and also Galatians and that new man was the merging of Jews and Gentiles together the mystical body in Christ Jesus they didn't understand that so they were growing in their understanding of what God was doing but there were some things Jesus wanted them to be 
so sure on that he instilled them himself while he was here. So what I'd like to do is ask you this question tonight, that we are the church. Did the original church believe in the sovereignty of God? No doubt every preacher that preaches salvation feels like he's preaching it the way the apostles did. But I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> and now I've got you wondering. Notice this, St. John six thirty-seven. All that the Father give us. Look at this word. Now remember, this is the teacher himself. Diddle is the Greek word to give something to someone, to bestow a gift. Now notice this is Jesus saying, all that the Father giveth me. So the Father is going to bestow gifts to the sonship or the body to give over to one's care. To give one to someone as his own. This is why you don't belong to you. You are a gift from the Heavenly Father to our Lord Jesus. So get away from this idea. You can do what you want, go where you want, live the way you want. You do not belong to yourself if you're a child of God. That's right. You belong to Him. Notice then, to give over to one's care, to give to someone as his own, as an object of his saving care. So the Lord Jesus then projected now in this doctrine. Remember, John the Baptist never preached this way. Malachi never preached this way. Haggai never preached this way. Jeremiah, or he alluded to it, but it never come this plain and spoke it this way. It's important now that the apostolic foundation, which the church will be built upon, these are some of the principal points the Lord Jesus wants them to understand. Now look, you guys are going to go out and you're going to preach the word. I want you to understand when you go out, this is the understanding you go out with. You're not going to go out and save the world. Everybody don't want it. Everybody ain't going to receive it. Oh, but don't we offer it? Sure we offer it. But let you know before you ever do it, everybody ain't going to do it. Everybody won't come to it, and some who come to it won't stay. Now, Jesus, remember, these are the words of the Lord Jesus, and this is very important upon what the church is built upon. So the Father works sovereignly in, in the people's lives, and there is an election of God, which is the Father's gift to the Son. Now, if you notice Jesus, Jesus doesn't say anything about the Father wants to give you to me if you want to be given to me. So the father wants to do it, but uh, you need to kind of get with the father and make sure this works out okay between you and him because he understands. No, no, you see, that's not the way the apostolic church preached salvation. Well, here we go. Praise the Lord. Now, this is the Father's gift to the Son in the form of what? Not based upon your will, not based upon my will, but based upon the will of the Father himself. You see, it is totally ineffective for us to be able to try to bring people to God on our own unless the Father is drawing them. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now remember, these aren't my words. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. No man can come to me except my Father. Oh, well, what happened? Well, how does this come in then? You can come anytime you want to. I'll tell you where it comes in. It comes in from hell. You do not find the apostles. You do not find the Lord Jesus preaching such trash. It is alive the devil. He will take many people to hell because they think in their mind they can come to God when they want. So they're going to live like they want to. They're going to drink. They're going to run around. They're going to live a life full of sin. And then when they want to get right, they're going to get right. That is lies. The scripture teaches no such thing. I know it bothers some folks because they want to feel like that the major doctrines and the message come directly from God to Brother Branham and Brother Branham was the first one to preach it. Well, I'm sorry that you're so ignorant because that ain't the truth. Because Brother Branham was sent to gather the loose ends of many, many hundreds of years that was preached down through the ages. What's this? John Gill said this. John Gill was born 1697, lived through 1771. The whole body of the elect are here meant, referring to this scripture that we just read, when they were chosen by God the Father, were given and put into the hands of Christ as his seed, his spouse, his sheep, his portion, and inheritance praise be to God and to be saved by him with an everlasting salvation you are not the first ones to believe in election and you're certainly not going to be the last Barnes said it this way oh hallelujah no man is compelled to go to heaven against his will and no man is compelled to go to hell against his will the spirit of God inclines the will of one amen and come he comes freely as a free moral as an agent moral agent the other one chooses the way to death and though God is constantly using means to save him yet he prefers the path that leads down to woe God does not make people go to hell they choose to go to hell but brother Donnie what if I'm elect and I don't want to go to heaven What have you been drinking? You been eating mushrooms for supper, them funny ones, you know? If you're elect, you'll definitely want to go. Notice St. John again, 637. All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. Not, not questionable, not maybe, perhaps. Why? Because they are under the allocation of election to the Lord Jesus for what? It is, this is part of his reward of the great price that he paid in order to bring the earth back under the Father's care. So he didn't give him so much a universe. He didn't give him trillions of stars. He gave him you. Oh my, he must see different than what I see. He must see different than what you see about yourself. So 
it is under the covenant of grace that the elect of God. Now remember, this is not debatable. This is not a concordance I'm reading from. This is not the words of some preacher. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. It's not to be ascribed to anything they could do. It's not to be allocated to anything that they would ever work out. He mentions nothing about their will, their determination, their faithfulness, their long dress, their long hair. The Father already did it. Now you imagine the disciples sitting there, they're all free will Baptists. I'll tell you one thing, Jesus, I don't believe it that way. Hallelujah, I'll tell you one thing, glory to God. I was out there seeking for God. I sought for God. I grabbed a hold of them horns of the altar. No, no. God grabbed a hold of your horns. Your wicked, hard heart. Friends, people do not believe what the Bible teaches. If they did... They would know it's impossible for a lost sinner to seek God. Romans 3.10 As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. But my grandpa, I'm going to take Romans over Grandpa Cadillahopper. I don't care what you said. The Bible says none. Do you understand? We are so lost. We are so decrepit and so far from God. We can't see God. We might see creeds and dogmas and church organization. We cannot see God. It's contrary to who we are. There is, how many? How many believes this? Now are you a Ford with a Volkswagen windshield up? Or are you OEM? Original equipment from the manufacturer. OEM, you know what that means, OEM? is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all elect included. Gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not. That included Brother Branham. That included Paul. That included Peter. It definitely included me. And definitely included you. Now notice Paul wasn't even there when Jesus was teaching the sovereign aspect of the grace of God. But yet Paul believes it the way Jesus taught it. I want to do the same. Now watch St. John 6.39. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he 
which is past tense. Given me, I should lose only a small percentage, maybe 25% because my power is just not strong enough to say, that's not my God. That I should lose nothing. Well, you say, Brother Donnie, what about those people that come to God and backslide? <laughs> if they were given to him by the Father from the book of life, if they backslide, they will come back. But many of them in the whosoever will group that come to God and don't want to stay with God, they'll come and go and come and go and come and go. But eventually they'll go and never come back. He never lost them in the first place. He's just offering them if they want to go, come on. But they were not given to him by the Father in the original allocation of election. Now look friends, my God is a mighty God. My God don't save and lose and lose and save. It's our misunderstanding of how this works. That is of all the elect in eternal election, I will lose Wake up, devil. Don't pass down now. Come on. Oh, he can't stand that, can he? Oh, boy, he don't want you to see who you are. This is who the bride is right here. Oh, yeah, that's all but my, my shortcomings. And oh, my, I've got so many mistakes. That's right, we all do. But if you were given to him by the Father, all of your mistakes, all of your shortcomings, all of the things we do in life has nothing to do with that election. You are a gift to Jesus Christ. Now, he won't only not just lose them. He won't lose their grace. He won't lose their mercy. You see, the word here is all inclusive. So it's not just not going to lose you. He also won't lose your body. <laughs> Woo! Though you go by the way of the grave, he will not lose your body. Nothing that's yours in the eternal realms of God will ever be lost. The word there, I should lose nothing, is literally, I should not destroy. Which means he will keep it to life eternal. All people die, sure we grieve and we feel sad in our hearts for them to go. But we know they're not lost. They're not lost when you know where they are. They're just out of your sight. But they're in the keeping of God. Oh, but what about their bodies? Their bodies ain't lost. The whole earth is redeemed out of that because the blood's already dripped on it. I will lose nothing. Now again, I wonder if this teaching out from under the Lord Jesus ever produced one disciple that was a free will Baptist. Now those of you that have studied historically the Baptist church, you know that the Baptist church divided pre-civil war because it was a big question about the sovereignty of God and about free moral agency. That's why it's so important in the Bible Belt that many of these Baptist churches will have free will. 
because it was a big, big fight among them many, many years ago. And to them, that's part of their major thing. Did they have an element of truth? Of course they did. But so did the other side. So they argued and debated and fussed. And I believe in predestination. Bless God, I follow John Calvin. Well, Peter was before John Calvin. Jesus was before. This is pre-Calvinism. This is pre-Baptism. This is what I want. You understand, many of us are still pulling election through Baptist, Calvinistic, Pentecostal ideas. You wonder, why does he keep going out? Because some of y'all ain't washed, that's why. Some of the message folks still ain't washed. They're pulling it through grandma's idea, papa's idea, mama's idea. Well, <laughs> Now to St. John chapter 6, verse 40. Now remember, this is the local pastor in the uh, Free Will Baptist Church in Nazareth. This is the will of him that sent me. Everyone which sees. Look at this word. Behold, perceive, look at, behold, to view tentatively. This word is not used of an indifferent spectator, but of one who looks at a thing with interest and for a purpose. Who would be used of a general officially reviewing or inspecting his army. Of a lay spectator looking at a parade. So an ain't a person that said, well, I believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So I look toward the cross. No. No, it's not you viewing and looking from a denominational view. But you actually have to see him as he is. In order to capture the remaining portion of this verse. This is the will of him that sent me that everyone would see us the Son. Now if you see the Son as a second person, the Godhead, this is not the will of him that sent him. If you look at him as being inferior, he has no power and so on and so on, that's not the will of him that sent him. The will of him that sent him is that I and my father are one. And when you've seen me, you've seen the father. Notice then, this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which seeth the son and believeth. Oh, one of my favorite words in the entire New Testament. One of my favorite. Mainly because it don't mean what people think it does. Pistual. To commit to one's trust. So believing in Jesus is not just a, I believe God sent his only son to die for me on the cross. No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus said. If you believe Jesus, you commit yourself to his trust. For this is where the majority of Christendom totally misses it, Brother Brad, because they think they have an intellectual conception which is pistis, not pistio, but pistis. They think they have a, oh, I believe, I accept Jesus the Son of God. No, Jesus said, if you see me, this is the will of the Father that sent me, that you will see me and you will also commit who you are. You'll commit what you are. You'll commit your life. You'll commit your destiny. You'll give it all to me. To commit one's trust, to think to be true, used in the New Testament of the conviction and trust to which a man is impelled by 
a certain inner and higher prerogative and the law of the soul. This is the believers that Jesus is talking about. So I believe Jesus is the Son of God. The believers that'll get you saved is that inner prerogative from the soul, which can only come from God. Listen to me so you don't misunderstand it. Even the whosoever will group cannot come on their own. No man can seek God. No man has a key because no man has any right to demand anything of God. No man. That's why God can give to men as he will because no man has any claim on God to say, you owe me. So because none of us have that claim, he can distribute his gifts and be just in doing so. So if he gives you anything at all, if it ain't no more than a scrap off the table, it's more than you deserve. That's right. Now if we had a claim on God or some sort of title of this and that and the other, that'd be one thing. Notice now again in St. John 6, 41. Boy, it's a Baptist preacher. He's quite a pastor, wasn't he? The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? Yep. Whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. Now if you don't want your oncoming disciples and apostles to preach it this way, why are you telling them this? If you want them to preach, anybody can come anytime, anywhere, anyhow, any way you want to come. There's millions of roads to God, and you know, some Muslims will get there, and Buddhists will get there, and this, and there's many ways to God. Lies. There's one way to God, and you can't even come that way unless He draws you Himself. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Help cool. To draw. Drag off. (laughs) Metaphorically to draw by inward power, lead, or impel. No man can come to me. Then look, this is bride. This is whosoever will group. This is everybody. You believe what Jesus said? But Brother Don, if we preach this, we'll discourage people. Preaching the words of Jesus will discourage people from getting saved. This is the same word draw when Peter was in the garden of Gethsemane 
And the Bible said he drew his sword and cut off Malchus' ear. So Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father. Come on. Jesus never said beg. Jesus never said plead. Oh, please, please, please. Trash. Nonsense. Garbage. You see, friends, why we struggle with this? Tradition. This is apostolic teaching. This comes from the master himself. Why do we struggle with it? Too much tradition still in us. Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Church of God, Unitarian, Lutheran, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, all that other nonsense of denominational ages. We ought to be beyond that stuff, friends. We're going back to the original apostolic teaching. This is what they taught. Why? This is what their rabbi taught them. Thank you, Jesus. It's the same word when the angels took a hold of Lot's hand and forced him out of Sodom. You think your wife can draw you to do what she wants you to do. Oh, some of you brothers ain't hen pecked. You just got hen house ways. Uh-oh, I'm dismissing after that. <laughs> understand why this is necessary we can't come to God without it but are you sure we understand how lost we were how lost the world is we can't come to God we can come to a church we can come to a creed we can come to some dogma we can't come to God without God supernaturally doing something to nurture us This is why Satan was so proud of what he'd done. He knew to throw man in this state. Man could hear the voice of God and still walk over it. Someone wrote it this way in the words of a poem or a song. It was grace that spread the feast and gently forced me in. Else I had refused to enter. And perished in my sin. God said, you want to be saved? Want to be saved? Well, I need to think this thing through. I need to kind of consider all the price. And while you're considering, he doesn't push you anything. Lord, have mercy. the children if he'd have left us to our consideration you know where most of us would be tonight lost the father doesn't advise that you need a savior what do you think what do you think I mean you know this this is just I'm, I'm advising I'm not trying to be offensive now you imagine God in this age being politically correct God wouldn't want to say anything that would offend anybody so God can mention certain words and God can't even say he's a he anymore because he's not a he or he's a she or a ism or a wasm or something. Anyway, God, God just has to say, I'm this it in heaven. 
And I'm not going to name any sins because if I do, it'll make everybody mad. God says, you want in? Get in. Oh, sorry. (laughs) And don't advise. And don't beg. He draws. No man can come to Jesus and really believe in the scriptural way without divine help. Whether you're a bride, foolish virgin, 144,000, whoever you are, we all need help. We are so ensnared in the quicksand and the blackness of sin around us. Our nature so lost. Our eyes so blind. Our senses so withholding from the truth. We can sit, listen, we can sit and hear God. People can sit and see God heal the sick. They can sit and see God move and do this and that and the other. And get up and walk out these doors as hard as a rock. It shows how lost we are. How hard we can become. Unless God pushes. That's up to you one way or the other. Your name is on the book of life. He'll get you. Whether it's like this or... Either way. They say... I fell in love with Jesus. I guess you did. He's pushing you 95 miles an hour. You and your old bull-headed, hard-headed thing. Come on, Come on children. You might as well say, man, we're all in the same shape. We're all lost without God. We're all stubborn. We're so hard-headed. We didn't know nothing about God's truth. But God said, I am determined. I'll bring my people in. It's amazing to me how he's able to differentiate this way and make this a just push. <laughs> it is an act of such divine power, yet it's not an act of force. <laughs> and once you get on the inside, you say, I want to do that all along anyway. I just need that nudge. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> is there anybody here tonight that's full of the Holy Ghost that can't honestly say this is what you've always wanted anyhow something down on the inside calling you but you didn't know how to get to it you didn't know what to do you played around thank God for the nudge St. <laughs> John six forty four. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. Now I know once again folks get aggravated at us quoting the prophets. Well, Jesus did. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! That's a good one, Lord. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught of God. Dikatos, which one teaches that can be taught, instructed by one. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. 
Do you understand no matter how many people we try to bring to the Lord Jesus and we witness to him, should we not? But the donor, sure, the Lord Jesus leads you, do it. But no, it will not be you. If they come to Christ, they'll have to be taught by the Father. We get no credit. I'll tell you one thing, I took my Bible, I'll glory to God, I'll let them write down and say, no, Jesus said, Jesus said, they've got to be taught of God, not of Donnie, not of Terry, taught of God. They shall be taught of God. He that hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Praise God. These are the special children of God. Amen. Now, let me just stop here and ask you this. Now, from what we've said thus far, and from these texts of this preacher, would you think he was a Baptist? Pentecostal? Armenian? Catholic? Or what do y'all think he was? If he's not Baptist, he's not Methodist, he's not Presbyterian, and he's not Catholic, what would he have been? The original rabbi. The word. Now these are principles by which he wants his apostles to build the oncoming church. <laughs> Matthew eleven twenty five. at that same time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because thou hast. Oh, now this couldn't be a New Testament Jesus, could it? That must be an Old Testament Jesus. People don't know a Jesus like this. A Jesus that would thank the Father that he hid things from people. Oh my. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto message theologians. I'll tell you, my friends, when we get in terrible shape with God, it's when we think we're beyond learning. I don't care if you've been around the message for 175 years. You ought to always have this mentality right here. You can always be taught. You can be corrected. And if the word shows you something wrong, you'll say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I believe your word. Help me to be accepted, Lord, by you. Oh, praise God. Now, these things, of course, that Jesus is referring to is the doctrines which he's been relating in the gospels. The seed of the sower. Election, predestination, how that God can blind the eyes of some, open the eyes of others. Now here was men who were babies, and he said, Father, I thank you because you have hid this from these theologians over here. Now here they are, they're so proud, they know that word, the Torah, the mission of the law. Boy, they know all about it, and they think they know so much, but it's pleased you, Father, to hide yourself from them. You imagine him standing there preaching, pointing his finger at them, and turn around saying, but Father, it has pleased you that you could reveal yourself to Peter, baby. 
and John the baby and James the baby the sons of Zebedee baby 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 all but you see calling them babies was complimentary to what he had just said by calling God father <laughs> by relationship what's he talking to them about hey, he's talking about a father and he's talking about babies of the father oh praise be to God may we always have a teachable spirit my my to the poor ignorant obscure but teachable babies mm-hmm how the soul can be nurtured on the revelation of the things of God unless we think we know all there is to know about the rapture or the millennium or the third pull. Then when a preacher stands up and says, well, tonight I'll preach on the third pull. I know there all there is to know on the third pull. Really? Glad to meet you, Mr. God. He's the only one that could say that honestly. friend of mine was talking to a man several years ago who didn't believe in preachers. He said, brother, why don't you go to church? Why don't you see the need? He said, oh, look here. Here's my Hebrew book. Ask me what Brother Branham said in page 245, third paragraph from the bottom. Ask me what Brother Branham said in page 99, second paragraph from the top on the left. Ask me what Brother Branham said in page 189 in the middle of the page facing your right. What preacher can tell me anything? I agree. You can't tell donkeys nothing like that. Mules or hybrids. What is he? Scribe, Pharisee. God's hid from such people. Oh, I don't need no preacher. I get everything I need. Bless God straight from the tapes. I don't need nobody but Brother Branham. Well, according to Brother Branham, you just told a lie. Question answers 1964. Brother Branham, are you the only one to preach? We've seen you ordain men in the line. We don't think you'd do anything that was wrong. Brother, sister, ever who told you I'm the only one to preach? I'd be a poor representative for that. Every man that's called to preach needs to get on the field and preach. We need them. He didn't say go play taste, but he said preach. You know, a father's heart is unattracted to his children by their brilliance of power and the great magnitude of their speech. It's their needs. Some of y'all were probably more educated than your parents. Some of y'all were able to go to college and get this degree and that degree. Maybe you could sit down with your parents and talk to them about certain things. They wouldn't even understand what you're talking about. And your education would probably humiliate your mother, your father, your grandparents. But what would move your parents? Your need. And your need coming to them. Mama, please help me. Mama, I've been to school. I've got this degree. I've got this and that and the other. Mama, please. I've never been where I'm at. I'm going through this and that and the other. Mama, help me. Daddy, please help me. 
What can you give me, Daddy? I'm going through this and that. I've never been that. Daddy, you've got a lot of wisdom. You've been through a lot of things. So what does it do? Your needs exemplify the greatness of your parent. And when we, no matter how much we've been around and how much learned we are, when we come to our Father and say, Father, I need to understand more. I thank you for what I understand. I thank you for what I see about grace. I thank you for what I see about mercy. But I know there's more. I know there's more. Lord God, I'm not ashamed to say I need more understanding. Then we make that divine connection by saying, I am a babe. I'm a babe speaking to the eternal. Teach me. Can we go just a bit farther and we'll close? Oh. Notice Matthew eleven twenty six. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. Oh. And he to whomsoever the Son will Reveal him. So here's the apostles now. They're hearing all of these verses from the rabbi. So people can't come to Jesus unless God draws him. And people can't even come. They can't even understand the Father unless Jesus shows them who he is. You understand there's folks around this message that Jesus has never shown who the Father is. You're blessed in that if he showed you. They think he's an old man sent up in heaven. God is not a man. God is a spirit. Why? Why? Why don't they know it? Jesus has never shown them. Oh, praise God. His essence, his glory, his mind, his will. He's not just trying to show you God in a luminous being. He wants to show you who God is. What God is. You say, what's the value of this? Don't you understand? It's Jesus. Trying to show you who the Father is. Why do you keep going on this, Brother Donnie, about God's sovereignty and God's grace? Because when you don't see it, it limits your understanding of your God. Matthew 16, 17. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, which B-A-R means son of. Son of. So Simon was the son of Jonas. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Peter wasn't even born again. A couple more verses of Scripture. St. John 6, 64. But there are some of you that believe not. For bleep, bleep, bleep. Bleepity, bleepity, bleep, bleep, bleep. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. So do you think then the apostles are going to have a problem with foreknowledge? Is it going to stagger them? Oh, oh, oh I don't know if I can believe God. I, I don't know. I'm really struggling. I'll tell you why you're struggling. Former rabbis.
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. And who should betray him. And he said, therefore I said unto you. Oh, I don't know this verse right here. My goodness. No, maybe I should not read it. I don't know. I don't want to hurt nobody. (laughs) No man can come unto me except it were. Not will be. Were given unto him of my So there again, can you imagine the apostles now when they go to preaching the gospel here, what are they going to do? They're going to preach the gospel through this understanding. They're not going to have a problem in Acts whenever it says, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Why? That's the way their teacher taught them how to preach. You want to know why I preach this way? My teacher taught me. My father, I'm told of God. <laughs> oh my. Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my father. So you can imagine now hearing this word after word, scripture after scripture, and the disciples get along and say, what do you think about free moral agency? Now, Peter, tell me, how, how are you going to preach? You're going to get up there and say, Glory to God! Whosoever will, let him come. Some of y'all was fixing a blower breaker, ain't you? <laughs> now, friends, I wonder. I wonder how much we are so steeped in tradition. Can you show me one sermon in the entire New Testament where the apostles ever stood and preached it, a Baptist version of salvation? Where do we get it? We're filled with tradition. Peter and the rest of the brothers getting together and say, what do you think about about that no man can come to me? That's heavy, ain't it? How do we preach out on the field? There's an old guy we used to work with on Pentecost. Harry and some of them other brothers would slip around and listen to Brother Bram's tapes. This old brother's name is Ronnie Garland. Brother Larry knows him. He's a cousin of Brother Larry's. We'd sneak around and talk about stuff because the preacher heard you tell him you get in trouble. Old Brother Ronnie Garland would say the same thing over and over again. Who are we going to tell that to? <laughs> so we talk about Sermon Seed, old Ronnie'd say, Who are we going to tell that to? <laughs> well, it's about, we've about got that place again. You can't even preach the truth and message churches. They tighten up on you. You preach and say what Jesus said about it, and they get tired and they're running it through this. Grandpa, Mamma said, uh, Ain't Uncle so and so said this, and ain't so and so said that, and said, Oh, I got to read one more anyway. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being, being predestinated according to your great deep desire to love God and the length of your dress and you brothers is so godly holy men that you've never done one thing wrong. Lies! According to the purpose of him! Not according to me, not according to you! According to him! And whom also we have obtained. Let's stand together and I'll read this. And we're closing. I want to give you a little bit more room and say some of you want to shout a little bit on the meaning of this word. And whom also we have obtained an inheritance, which means to choose by lot, assigned by lot, unto another as a possession. A heritage, a private possession. This is the way we obtained where we are in Christ Jesus. Obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him. Now remember, this is why it's so important. This is Jesus revealing the Father. I don't know a God like that. I know. I understand. The majority of Christendom don't know this God. They have a God of their imagination. But He's not the true God. And when they stand before the God of the Bible, they're going to be so tore up to realize the God they figured in their mind is not even there. This is the God of the Bible. According to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the council of the church the elders the bishops and the deacons the council of his own will this is the free moral agency that I depend on I look and see what mine's done for me got me in a lot of trouble Think about it. Think what most of your choices has done. Got you an office mess ever was. Some of us are still paying for some of our choices. But it was God's choice to save you. God's choice to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God's choice to open your heart to the truth. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We can't contribute to it. We can't add to it. We cannot increase its excellency. Neither can we polish it and make it more bright. We cannot add one thing to it to make it more resound of divine glory than what it already does. We just simply accept it and say, Amen. St. John 6. Six, six. Now listen. After Jesus says these things, no man can come to me except it were given unto him of my Father. 
when Jesus comes out so straight on this about election. St. John 6, 6, 6. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. On what doctrine? The sovereignty of God. Wasn't the cross. It wasn't blood. It wasn't mercy. It's showing God's nature that no man can come to me except my Father drawing. No man can even come unless it was given. And when they heard that, they said, I'll not follow him no more. Jesus turns around the next few verses and looks at the apostles and said, uh, what about you all? Now, Jesus is really scared now about the crowd, right? <laughs> so all these people's left. You've got preachers, deacons, trustees, you know, whatever more that was around him. A whole bunch, whole bunch of people just walks away. So Jesus turns around to the apostles and said, so what about you, Dave? What about you, Keith? John? Wes? You want to go back to? That's when Peter said those notable words. Lord, to whom would we go? After hearing these things, there ain't no way we could go anywhere else. You've got the words of eternal life. We are convinced. Isn't it amazing the message of sovereignty and election made some folks from that time turn and leave him. Well, I praise God it didn't make us do that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ignata said it this way, elect and worthy of God, having peace in flesh and spirit through the passion of God of Jesus Christ. Justin Martyr, we are by no means a despicable people, nor a barbarous nation like the Fergans or the Carians, but God hath elected us and hath manifested himself to those who ask not for him. So these were the apostles' apostles. And they're still preaching and they believe in the second and third century. Arrhenius, the same God who formerly elected the patriarchs, has now elected us. Clement of Alexandria, I call the church the general assembly of the elect. And Happy Valley said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray together. Oh, don't you appreciate the grace of God? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother George Hamlin turns in his request to pray for his niece. The doctors are planning on removing her big toe tomorrow morning. How many of you have a need, a desire tonight? How many of you still have a baby? You're a baby at heart. By that I mean you're teachable. How many is teachable tonight on election? Predestination, the blood, the mercy, the rapture, the millennium, the coming of the Lord. I'll raise my hands to all the above. 
You understand, friends, when a preacher gets in the worst spot he's ever been in his life, it's when he puts to the end a period of what he thinks he believes. And he never allows God to take him any farther. You know why we're continuing to grow in understanding here in this word? And let me tell you why. One thing, you've got preachers here. Preachers who still allow God to lead them further in the word. And they don't feel like they're know-it-alls. And if Happy Valley's ministry ever gets to that, our church will might as well shut the doors and turn it into whatever more. Because God will not use us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your word. Lord, it breaks my heart, really. When thousands times thousands and thousands of churches around the world would feel like they are the original representative of the gospel. Those who preach it in their form and their way, they believe they're following you to the letter. They believe the format they use. They believe the way they're going about it. For those who make an altar call and try to go back and pull on the people, oh, remember your mama. Remember your mama died on her deathbed praying for you. Don't you want to come to Jesus? Oh, and they pull on them and pull on them. Many of them are doing that sincerely, Lord. But if they would have just took what you said to know that no man can come to you except you draw him. And all that was given to you by the Father will come. Oh, that don't mean we don't draw. That don't mean we don't pray for them. That don't mean we don't do our part. But we can't save them. No more than we can give someone a revelation. It takes you to do that, Lord. Help us, I pray, Lord. Lord Jesus, may we not be as those people there in John 6, verse 66. That when we hear about your character and your nature, that we turn away. And follow you no more. The scripture does not say that they become atheist or anti-God. No doubt they went back to their religious beliefs. What they believed prior. They didn't go to the world so much as Demas did not. Lord God may you help us. Father we pray for Brother George's niece tonight God. You see Lord facing the surgery tomorrow. Would you be with her Lord be with the surgeon. Thank you, Lord. Brother Dow had his procedure done today. As far as I know, he's supposed to come home tonight at 6 o'clock. We're thankful, Lord, you was with our brother. Lord, others here that are sick and needy in their body, we thank you that you're our healer. You're our provider, Lord God. Father, may we always be teachable here at this church. Beginning with me, Lord, help me. Help me that I never get the attitude that I think I know so much about you. So much about your program that I can never be instructed further in the Word of God. Help the other ministry here at our church. Help the mindset of the people. Not to think, well, I'll tell you one thing. We, Brother Donnie brings other preachers in you, but really we don't need nobody. But Brother Donnie, help them to never get that mentality, Lord. We'll die right here on this hill if we do. We need every man of God that you send our way. No matter how simple, how deep, how profound, that matters not to us. What matters to us is, Lord, that we're willing to listen and hear and be instructed and be taught in the ways of God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Go with us now, fathers, we dismiss. May your presence be with us. Some of the school children go back to school tomorrow. The teachers and so on, may you be with them, Lord. We know there's so much sickness. May you move among the people by your greatness, Heavenly Father. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask Him. Amen. 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 Sing something for us. You love Him with all your heart. Ain't God good? I'm saying. <laughs> he came looking for me. He came looking for me. Praise God. He came looking for me. He came looking me for the me. going to come down like that because it's all God's grace. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed, Lord. Lord Jesus, we didn't even know, Lord, how bad we needed you. We didn't even comprehend, Father God, how badly we needed you, Lord. But you came and you found us. You picked us up, Lord. You cleaned us off, Lord Jesus. You filled us up, Lord. And you're going to take us home, Father. Oh, Lord Jesus, how great you are. How perfect you are, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you saw me. Lord, not, not when I was stooped in sin, Lord. Way before that, Lord Jesus, you called me. You predestinated me. You called me, Lord Jesus, to be with you, Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that you drew me, Lord. I'm so thankful, Father God, that you love me that way. I'm so thankful, Lord Jesus, that I was in your mind from the, before the foundation of the world, Lord. 
Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that we have truth, Lord. We're so thankful, Lord Jesus, that we're not cleaning out the ditch on one side or the other, Lord Jesus, but you're pulling us right down the middle of the road, Lord. That's the only way we're going to get home is in the middle of the road, Father. I pray that you just be with each and every one, Lord. May these things, Lord, that tradition makes some of these things hard to swallow, Lord, humanly. But Lord Jesus, the inside of the inside, the same thing that drew us, Father, helps us to swallow it down, Father. We're so thankful for that. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just help us, Lord. May, Lord Jesus, as we leave this place, may we just ponder on these things and think on these things, Lord, so, so relevant to the day we're living in, Lord. We just love you and we thank you, Father. Be with each one, we ask it. In your name, amen. 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 God bless you. Oh, one night while on life's raging sea, it looked as if I would suffer defeat as the blackness of night closed off the light. My heart sank with fear. My desperate cry with pride all I could see was no hope inside faith all but gone I met the one who came looking for me he came looking for me he came looking for me he made a way so far but Jesus was near to rescue my soul and calm all my fears now I'm safe from all harm since I met the one who came looking for me oh Satan had already picked out my grave his plan and move forward to put me so far would anyone care that I'd soon be lost? Well, I knew my destruction was a matter of time. But Jesus appeared and said, this one is mine. Now I'm safe and no harm. He walked through the storm. He came looking for me. Rescue my soul.
was near to rescue my soul. 